Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Elk Shape Podcast, I don't even know what number. I'll tell you in a second in the intro. What's <laughs> up? We're Steve, Spec. We're in EXO uh, Mountain Gear, SNS Archery HQ. How you doing, man? I'm really good, man. Yeah, I just got back from te- hunting down in Texas, a little hog hunt, had a blast. How was the weather? Uh, it was beautiful. It was like 85 degrees down there, which was a far contrast from what uh, we have up here. I was so mad when I flew in yesterday. Like, <laughs> when I lived here, if you know, it snowed four times a winter, but right. it, it melted right away. Yeah. And it was, everything was had snow on it when we landed. I was just like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's already melted. It'll be 55 degrees today, so it won't be too bad. That's true. That's yeah. true. So what's good, man? What have you been up to? Just working, man. Really busy. There's a lot, uh, lot going on. A lot, of, a lot of moving parts and pieces, and trying to, um, you know, I think our biggest challenge with Exo is just keeping up. It's uh, just small, growing company, so has a lot of um, every day. There's something new that pops up. Trying to solve problems. You've created a demand. Yeah. Now you got to keep up with the supply. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been good. Have you ever heard of? Um, and I don't know a lot about this company, but Noble. They make shoes. I actually have a pair. Okay. Um, they only do limited runs of every shoe they come out. They uh, create these huge demands, mm-hmm. and you have to get in mm-hmm. right when it drops mm-hmm. to get it, and then they may run it again like another quarter or mm-hmm. whatever. Hmm. Uh, real interesting. I got to look into that business because from an entrepreneur side, like that's pretty cool Like to, to, yeah. just to do everything really well and tight and yeah. know that you're going to move it. Yeah, no, we did, we did that. We did a first like uh, pattern last year, Cypher, and we did like a 48-hour order it, and it actually worked really well. It was, it was nice because they ordered it, and we were able to build exactly what was ordered and ship it, and that was a good, not a bad business model. I just saw one of those packs. Yeah. Uh, they turned out pretty sharp. Yeah. Did you know they were going to look that good? You never know until it's done. You, know, uh-huh. you lay all the fabric together, and you, you kind of get an idea, but yeah, you never really know until it's done. Yeah. So. Well, so for guys that are thinking about packs and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. um, you guys are a bit behind, when would you need to get your order in to, to make sure you had your pack for the fall? Um, you know, I, I think if you just planned on six weeks, oh. um, six to eight weeks, 
Yeah, uh, you should be fine. It should be could be two weeks, could be eight weeks. Just depends on where you land. So. Well, don't hesitate because you should be training with your pack. Yep. You should be scouting with your pack in the summer. Oh yeah. And you know, testing out other gear and yep. getting some overnights in and get you know. Get yeah, yeah, that's a lot of our requests right now. Or you know, guys trying to get bear hunting, or they're out shed hunting, or they just want to get it like. You know, we saw a pack to an Eastern guy. He wants to get it loaded up and start getting super familiar with it, you know, prior to September. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a pretty easy system to get familiar with. Mm-hmm. You know, I've bumped from several brands throughout the years. I mean, almost all of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, your pack's pretty easy to get to know. One thing is it's probably the lightest pack or one of the lightest companies that, you know, you guys yeah. – you're going to shave some weight when you switch to XO. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's definitely a focus of ours is, is um, weight is everything. It, and it's, well, it's not everything, but it's a lot, right? I mean, you can shave weight in your footwear and reduce a lot of fatigue, and, and your pack is no exception. That um, We try to, one thing we really try to do is build a very balanced pack, and, and weight is a big portion of, of balancing out the features and performance and all that. So. Yep. Yeah. So you just came out with um, some kind of in some like rain basically liners that you can mm-hmm. put inside your bag yeah um and they can also come out right so when did you where'd you get that idea and and when do those come into play like yeah it was a funny um for the first like probably two years of exo you know we we kind of had probably originally planned to make a rain cover uh every backpack company makes it every yeah. you know it doesn't matter <laughs> what industry it's all the exact same thing maybe slight variations of a lightweight fabric and elastic around it and just snaps around your pack and personal experience I hated using them I mean they're just they're freaking noisy if it's windy they're flapping in the wind you go through brush they get ripped off uh you can't actually use your pack right like no. if it's all it's it's covered so you can't if you need to get your spine scope out you got to untake take the whole ring cover off grab it it's just pain in the ass um and we so we just kind of kept delaying doing it we just never want to make a product that we don't believe in right i mean sure. if we're not passionate and behind it even though we were getting almost daily like hey can i get a rain cover can i get a rain cover get yeah. a lot of requests for it and we need to you know have to balance like what we want to do with what the customer is asking us to do um but we just kept putting it off and then we were up in alaska on a moose hunt um and it was basically hunting in knee-deep water for 14 days just a swamp flat out flat swamp um and when we did that hunt we kept putting our packs in a this little kayak we had, and it would fill up with water uh, oh, yeah. every day. So your pack was just, everything was soaking wet. And I think up there is when we, like, we said we're going to come up with, we were going to call it the Swamp Pack 3000. Like, <laughs> we had to build a pack that was completely waterproof. Uh, and then somehow out of that idea came the evolution of just making the dry bag insert. So we, people didn't have to buy a new bag. They could just buy this dry bag insert. Um, and it's, it's just integrated. So it drops in, connects on the bottom, inside the pack. Um, and then uh, snaps into the collar. We changed everything in 17 to a roll-top collar. So yep. there's snaps in there. You just snap it in, and then it basically becomes a part of the bag, and it's not this accessory that's in the way and messing up your whole system. It's just part of the bag. So when you pop the lid off, open up the roll-top collar, bam, you're right into the dry bag. And yeah, the, and, the, and if you're at, like, a spike camp or a baby camp, you can, you can also take it, it out yep. and then keep whatever you need, batteries, whatever, yeah. electronics. Yeah, yeah. So our, our idea there, what we love about it is it's guaranteed to stay dry, right? Mm-hmm. Like you throw your sleeping bag and your clothes and all the stuff that needs to stay dry in there, you don't have to think twice about it. With a rain cover, it's still fifty-fifty. Like you're still going to get water on the pack, and it's going to come in from behind your head on the shoulder harness side, and um, so it's just like 
it's super nice to be hunting all day in the snow and rain and know when you go to set up camp that whatever you put in there in the morning is still dry. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, especially if you're, you know, I always say the dry bag is built for the guys like the Alaska, the Oregon, Washington coast, where it just rains nonstop all the time. So, Bill. Uh, and I try to discourage guys from buying it um, that are just coming to Idaho in September. You know, I think a lot of guys have that like, oh, I must have this for that. What if it, what if it does rain on me for a few hours? And it's like, no, the pack is plenty water resistant on its own. I don't want you to add the extra weight of it because it's, it's eight, nine ounces. Um, but if you're going into a scenario where you're leaving the trailhead and the weather forecast says 100% chance rain, snow for the next five days, that's when freaking awesome. Like your happen. hunt last year? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, weather. Yeah, I had that same storm. Mm. <clears throat> I was talking to Mark. We both experienced just kind of that same little, kind of some really good days mm. that typically, you know, that second week of September where it's kind of things start kind of kicking off pretty good. Mm-hmm. Weather came in and there's not, you can't control the weather. No. Right? no. So, well, you've probably done some podcasts in the past. You have your own The Hunt Backcountry podcast. Mark mm-hmm. runs that. You're on there quite a bit. Let's not talk about anything everyone's already talked about. I want okay. to talk about you a little bit just and put you on the spot. Okay. Um, I've known you since like probably, oh, maybe 2008. I'm not sure. 2009. I met you at Snowbird mm-hmm. uh, when it was Bowcast at the Bird. Yep. Uh, but I've gotten to know you. I think you've slept on my couch once in Spokane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I've known you a while, but you are a little entrepreneur and you have that mindset. You always have. And I've, I've appreciated that about you. But tell us where you went to school and, and like for in at Boise State, what was that degree in? I'd never heard of anyone pursuing a degree in that before or oh, the yeah, program. So I, yeah, I actually did not graduate. That's was, all right. Yeah, you didn't need to. <laughs> I, I left uh, about a year prior. I'm not only got one year left, but it was business entrepreneurship, um, and that was just definitely. I grew up. Uh, my family owned this steel building company here in town um, from the time I was like 12, probably till 21, 22. It basically crashed in 08. When the whole market hit the dump, yeah, um, and so I kind of grew up in that with my my older brother and dad were the owners of it, um, so I got it to be involved in that small family business and and got to be, um, you know, I started in high school and I was a junior. I'd I'd work, you know, get out of school at three o'clock and I'd run to the construction site and work till five six o'clock at night every and, night. Yep. Work on the weekends, um, and so I really was involved in that small business kind of mindset, and it was cool because I was. Over the course of those years, I basically got to be involved in every aspect of that business. So it was, it, it was like my schooling being, you know, I was started as just a laborer for $8 an hour out in the field. And then by the time it went out of business, I was in the office, like designing and engineering the buildings and doing all the AutoCAD drafting. And that's... Did you teach yourself AutoCAD? Basically, yeah, self-taught. Yeah, I had a couple, like one lesson from a guy, just like the very basic stuff. And then from there, it was just learning how to do it, getting in there and watching videos and figuring it out. So... Um, which that really, for the last like two, three years of the company, probably 05 through 08, um, I was really like day-to-day working with engineers and, and building structures and designs. And that really helped set me up for what I've done with Solid and Exo and some of the stuff we've designed is just having that understanding of how structures work and how you know part materials work together and stuff like that. So, um, And then, yeah, I got to see a business go from starting out small in my brother's basement to being a, you know, a multi-million dollar business and get to see the evolution of growth. And then all of a sudden the economy comes and crashes. And it was like six months we basically went out of business. You know, just had a, um, you know, you had your uh, lines of credit out there and just cash flowing everything here and there. And, and then all of a sudden the economy takes a shit and bam, it's like, whoa. So it's so quite the, quite the uh, um, 
in-person, you know, education experience. Meanwhile, I was going to Boise State those last few years. I was doing classes Tuesdays and Thursdays um, and doing that. So I was kind of doing both at the same time. All right. So yeah. I didn't know any about that. Like yeah. you kind of have an engineering mind, obviously. Mm-hmm. You're more like an inventor, a creator. You have a creative side to you. Um, you also have a business side of you, and that kind of makes sense. I didn't know those pieces. So mm-hmm. uh, get me straight. Did you start SNS first as a production company or as, okay, I want to do an archery shop first? Like how did that go? Yeah, it was um, basically is the, it was Spec Buildings as our company, uh, the family's company, and it was once I saw it teeter, I, actually prior to that, I think when I was, was like 19 or 20, I had started my own construction company called SS Builders, and I had hired a couple guys, and we had – we had all these times people coming into the office looking to get like small projects done. So I had two guys that worked for me, and I'd basically I'd meet them out at the job site at like six a.m. Get them lined, lined out, out. And I'd go into the office, and so I had this side company I'd already set up. Um, and then Idaho's super easy, I'm sure as you know, to file a doing business as. I had it was SS Builders, and I was like, well, SS Archery doesn't sound as good, so I'll do SNS Archery. Uh, so I went down, filed that, and then basically as I saw the spec buildings, knew it was you know going to go away. It was pretty evident. Um, unless the economy turned around overnight, that um, I was like, well, I really enjoy archery. I enjoy working on bows. I'm going to start an archery shop out of my garage. And that's how SNS started. Um, so I set that up, contacted a couple of vendors. Like, how do you just start your own archery? Like, were you frustrated with other pro shops? Was there not a, like, was uh, there not a good yeah, shop? So prior to that, for sure. Like, the, I mean, being, a, I would not, I'm not envious of a pro shop owner. That is a tough mm-hmm. job. That is a very tough job mainly on the customer service side. It's fine if you want to sell some bows and accessories, but it's the, the tuning and all the stuff that goes into it. It's, that's a tough, tough business model for sure. Um, and so, you know, yes, I was frustrated with the local archery shop at the time. The, the options, like, go in, I need my bow tuned. I'm, I'm not a perfectionist, but I like things to be, like, I, I like to be very confident in my equipment um, and knew that, you know, like, okay, it was getting okay paper tuned, but I wasn't getting dialed in and I didn't know how to do it. And then, just started jumping online and researching. I think Archery Talk back then was like my number one. Go in, go on that website and just read for hours and hours and hours and try to weed through half the BS and find the guys who were, actually knew what they were talking about, you know. And mm-hmm. So I started working. Prior to all, all this, I'd started working and bought a press and started working on my own bows. And um, I was building. I got super into it where I was taking, like, cams and limbs and strings and risers from different companies and, like, making my own bows and mix and match and stuff. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and I learned a lot about tuning, which I think I forgot most of it at this point. But <laughs> um, it was it was a good process and good learning curve for sure. So so I had that skill set and I knew I could work on bows for other people. And, yeah. And then oh, I'll just do a shop in my garage, knew enough people, local hunting community, just reached out. Um, Became a dealer for a couple brands yeah, or a yeah, brand. Said, said got the business established. And then that was super easy. Once you have a business license, you email, you know, I think like Victory Elite. I think those are my first two. Mm-hmm. Um, reached out to them, said, "Hey, I'm starting a shop. I'm in my garage. I'm small." And you know, I think most people they can weed through if you're genuine or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and especially like a like Elite was super small back then. Yeah, they're very like, okay, yeah, let's do it. You know, you got to buy five bows and you can become a dealer. So, Hell yeah, let's do this. Oh, okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was yeah, that was the beginning of all that. Um, and then so I started SNS, and I think it, this is like the 10 year anniversary of it. So it was 08. When that officially kicked off in my garage, um, and uh, over by the time like probably oh winter of nine, um, I had started selling some stuff in Archery Talk and the classifieds, and kind of like it was like taking off. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like holy crap, this is like 
this is legit. I can sell a lot more arrows online than I can, you know, out of my garage. Um, so I started doing more and more of that. And it was just like this very organic year and a half process of like less and less working on stuff in my garage, more and more selling online. Uh, and then I think yeah, it was like a year and a half later, something like that. I can't remember the exact dates, but I, I got online. Like, how do I build my own website? You know, because prior to that, it was just like PayPal and classifieds on forums. Yeah. Um, and uh, figured out how to do it and found a platform to build off of and lots of late nights, you know, watching tutorial videos, trying to figure out how to do this and that and just kind of won it. And here we are 10 years later. So it's crazy. Okay. So you said something cool there. Lots of late nights. I don't think people understand, like, if you want to work for yourself or if you oh. want to be like an entrepreneur, like, yeah. can you can you expand on that? Because I still, to this day, I pull insane hours a lot of times. Like. Yeah having the kids, um, running CrossFit, and then I do elk shape business there. Dude, there's always something to be done, and yeah. I can't do my best work. I love eight hours of sleep, and I don't always get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't watch uh, Survivor. I don't well, I don't know what TV shows out there, but I don't right. watch shows. Right. I, if well, I got time, I'm, I'm on a, working, yeah. bust my ass. What did, how'd you do that, or is that what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Like, what are you thinking? Um, I definitely, I think you're the same mindset of, of – work hard and smart and and you know i think there's different business models if you got um like we were just talking about exo here earlier like we have no investors not i mean nothing it's a, it's us right so there's a business model if you want to start a uh, you want to start a company you could go have somebody loan you two hundred thousand dollars or whatever and start a company or you can do it from the ground up a slower process but i think it's a much healthier growth and it's long-term sustainable um and you know starting sns i had no freaking money i didn't have a dime to my name at the time so it was I had no choice but to just freaking chip away at it, you know, yeah. and, and and just work hard. And I, I had that. a, I was fortunate in that I met my my now wife, uh, and we were together. And she um, was doing her master's in occupational therapy, which was in Oregon. Um, so I had a three year period there where I was basically like, um, you know, had a, a girlfriend that turned into a fiance who was living remotely. So I just I literally worked and hunt nonstop. I had nothing else to do. I worked out of my house and and then. I'd go bear hunt in the evening or something like that. And uh, um, so I worked a lot. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, over the last 10 years, I bet you, I don't know, I have to average 70 hours a week at least. For sure. Yeah, at least. Um, it's it's nonstop. It's not a... It's actually harder for me not to work. Yes. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it is. I, I've... Um, as as the companies have grown, it's I have to force myself to, like stop you know like especially the my the last year and a half with my daughter being born like i, I gotta get home at five and i have to shut everything off because my wife gets on my ass all the time of i'm not present right like i'm in the in the living room hanging out we're playing with our daughter but I'm, my mind's you know on work and that's really really hard to fight to fight that you know just to stay be present with your family and, and forget about work and, and balance that all out so you and me both not, uh, not an easy task but you know i think a lot of this stuff um it's it, there's just like a passion for it, right? I don't ever, for me, there's no such thing as Monday and Friday, right? It doesn't freaking matter. Yeah, it does. it's not like my wife on a Sunday night, you know, is like, oh crap, I gotta go to work tomorrow, and and I'm just like thinking about all the stuff I gotta get done, and not there's no Monday's uh, my favorite day of the week. People yeah. are gonna hate me for that, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like just everything's kind of reset and ready to rock, yep. and 
I don't know, my, my, my young kids make it so that I'm going to work and it's kind of like a break. Yeah. <laughs> and when you have number two, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. Oh man, it's tough. I'm nervous, so yeah. I'm still going to keep grilling you because yeah. you're such a humble guy. So you did SNS, you built it organically, it grows up. Yeah. When did you get the gumption to be like, okay, these broadheads all suck. Mm. I'm not, I don't like what I, yeah. and I'm just going to AutoCAD or work with <laughs> engineers and research and make my own damn broadhead. Like right. how did that work? Yeah, that was definitely, I mean, I think everything I've done has been, you know, and I think it's a common story for a lot of entrepreneurs has been out of frustration. Um, so started SNS archery and then the, the next thing I did was pure elevation productions, which wasn't a lot of frustration, but I was like watching hunting television shows and not like, I was like, for some reason, I felt like they were missing so much of like the actual experience, you know, I mean, like mm-hmm. for me to, to back back into a place and, and not that I want to shoot like a bunch of flowers and wind and stuff like that. But that is, that's all part of the experience. It's not just like, Hey, let's hike in, let's kill this animal. That's the end of the show. You know? So pure elevation was the next thing I did after SNS, which was like a year later. And I'd met Lenny Nelson, who's my business partner with EXO, um, and met him at a sportsman show here in Boise. And we kind of got together and decided like, Hey, let's do this. Um, and uh, so I did that, and then Solid was right after that. Um, yeah, it was definitely just a frustration with broadheads. Idaho, uh, as you very well know, we're stuck with fixed blade broadheads, and you know I, I definitely like a. Um, at the time, I've evolved. I'm, I'm in my old age now, of 33. I like I have I find what works and stick with it. But yeah, but uh, I, had, you know, I was a gear junkie, and I was trying every broadhead, and I just kept finding like for me at least, a flaw. Like, I couldn't find the perfect broadhead, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, it was either, you know, not strong enough, not didn't fly accurate enough. I mean, just kind of an endless, there's always something to nitpick about it. So, yeah, it was literally, let's figure this out. I'm just going to, I had no idea how to make a broadhead, right? I knew so I, were you like, I like molded, I don't like molded, I want machine, like, yeah, what, did, what were your, funny. Yeah, the, where did you, I knew you start? I wanted one that was solid, like, yeah, which solid ended up being the name of it. Um, randomly, um, but I wanted one with all. I didn't want like replaceable blades that could fall out easily. So I think one of the brothers I was using the time if it just slightly came unscrewed from the arrow, one of the bl- the blade would just fall out. And uh, so I knew I wanted to do one the solid. I researched, started doing some research, found out I think it's G five had a patent on that process to mold a broadhead. So yeah, that you kind of with the Montec, right? Yeah, with the Montec, yeah. Um, so that kind of became out of the question. So how do I build another one that basically? I knew it had to screw together, but I could find a way to lock it all together. So when you unscrewed it from the arrow, it still stayed one piece. Um, and so, yeah, we, I just started, uh, started you know, hand-sketching ideas and concepts and, and researching, like, cutting edges. Um, I remember researching, like, the most efficient cutting edge and article after article about the samurai sword, about the curved blade, uh, how it's constantly slicing, right? It's never yes. a blunt, you know, flat on flat surface. Right. Um, so that kind of sparked an idea in my head of like, okay, I want these blades to be curved. Um, and then I started testing, you know, I just grabbed every broadhead I had, bought a bunch of broadheads, started shooting them through wood and steel and seeing what performed and didn't perform. Um, and I, uh, I knew, kind of, I had no intention, I think, of doing a two-blade broadhead. I, I knew penetration, penetration and accuracy to me were like, that's your top two things, blood trail, or, you know, the cutting diameter after that. But yep. the worst thing that can happen is hit an elk in the shoulder blade, right? Like, you might not have a great blood trail with a smaller broadhead if you hit him bar far back, but he's going to die. You hit him in the shoulder, shoulder Especially blade. Especially high shoulder. Yeah, yeah, you're done. Um, so 
through that process, I kind of found two blades worked really well. And then I found two blades with like a little bleeder blade worked even better because you were just cutting a, a hole just large enough that the arrow shaft wasn't, that the hole wasn't closing back up on the arrow shaft. So the right. shaft was able to slide through. Um, and then in the process, I was like, well, what, all the bleeder blades were in the very back of the broadhead. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. And just how my brain works. Like all that energy is the second you hit it, right? But if, it, if the broadhead's already passed an inch into the shoulder and then it hits the bleeder blade, it's lost a lot of its momentum. So the idea was like, well, I'm going to find a way to put the bleeder blade all the way up in the very front. So when you're hitting it, you're getting maximum energy into that bone. And then from there, everything slides past. So kind of had, that was kind of the thought process that went into it. Um, and, then, and then found, a, got it as dialed in as I could and then found a local engineer um, who helped me polish it up and then... Um, and then, yeah, we started making You found it. a local guy, huh? Yeah. yeah. Then materials? Yeah, so materials, um, that broadhead we designed with, or I designed with S30V, um, which is a super high-quality um, uh, stainless steel. And I had had a knife that I had gotten as a Christmas gift from my dad or something that was from Gerber. It was S30V steel. Um, and this is, yeah, yeah, 2008, 2009, and I got that knife. And it was incredible. I went from a cheap knife that I couldn't cut up an elk with you know, you get a quarter of the way through an elk and it's, and dull, it's dull to a knife that I cut up an entire elk with and I can still shave hair on my arm. I was like, holy Ooh, hell. You know, okay. Like, okay, there's something about this steel. Um, and then researched online. There was a local company who was making knives in it and then found out, uh, talked to them, found out a place that was doing like the, the getting the steel and stuff for them. And, and that's how that process so you just kind of went down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. That's how you got to do it though. Right. Uh-huh. You, you, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. It's just all, no. it's like a million, you know, it's, it's funny. We talk about EXO, like we had started out with this vision and then it took, you know, well over a year to develop and you get there and you're like, how did we get from A to B, like from our idea to this finished product? And it's literally a million decisions. You, you, you build something, you come to a problem, you figure out how to solve the problem, then you come to the next problem, and you just, it's left, right, left, right, left, mm-hmm. right, until you f- end up with a finished product. And it's, it's a process that takes time, but, um, yeah, it's a fun process, too. It's really fun to develop products. What makes a great entrepreneur? You know, it's funny. I listen to, there's this great podcast on NPR called How I Built This, and it's, uh, um, they get, you know, like uh, Yvonne Schnard from Patagonia on there, the guy who founded Home Depot, like all these, you know, big, big guys. And they talk about all this stuff. And one of the questions they always ask, is it, is it luck or like skill that got you where you're at? And, and then to me in my head, it, it, it's just, it's like hard work and perseverance. And then having the, the I don't think luck plays a lot of part in it. In, in my opinion, I think it's, it's um, seeing an opportunity and just being relentless and keeping after it. And at the same time, being very smart about it, you know, like don't, don't say, I'm going to start a, you know, a broadhead company. I'm going to take out a half million dollar loan to get this done because you're probably going to go out of business pretty dang fast. That's a shortcut. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that's that's, that's a, a low road. Yep. Um, so I think it's just a lot of seeing an opportunity and then and just a lot of freaking hard work. There's no way around it. Yeah. And and not being afraid to, to start. You have to start. Somewhere. Yeah. There's I mentioned you on a podcast. A guy asked me, how can I start my own archery shop? Like, I'm looking for a location. And I was like, no. Start out of your garage like my friend Steve Speck did. Like, yeah. start super small until the your customers are like, dude, get a shop. Like, right. this is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and that's how I started with my CrossFit box was I started with a $1,000 a month lease. No, scratch that, 500 Mm. and 
it was 8,000 square feet. Don't even ask me how I pulled that off <laughs> because I don't know, but this is rude, but I did it. And holy crap, looking back, like I was relentless on, I, I don't have that much money for overhead. I didn't pay myself for two years. Right. And I had a $500 a month lease for 8,000 square feet. Dude, we, you know, looking back, those were good decisions mm-hmm. not to take a paycheck, work that other job, right. but yep. still work my normal, you know, yep. that's 80 hours a week right yep. there. But, it, you know, it's paid off. Not like I'm rich because I'm not, but I am rich in time. Mm-hmm. I work at the gym Monday through Wednesday. Now, to on paper, but I'm always working on it behind the scenes. Like right. when I rolled up and I know what you were doing right there, like doing your payroll because yeah. uh, it's got you got to get it done. You're you got to pay your people. They're your yeah. family, you yeah. know. So, well, that's cool, man. I know you got to get to where I'm headed to. We're going to the BHA Rendezvous 2018. I haven't been since it was in Spokane. That was like four or five years ago. Oh, okay. It was it was in Spokane, yeah. but um, you guys got a booth there. Yep, yep. We'll have a booth down there. We'll be hanging out Friday and Saturday. And- Talking to people, drinking some beer, having a good time. Yeah, I'm I'm going to the Brew Fest. Uh, Ryan Lampers wanted me to come over to his house and podcast tonight, and I was like, uh, I don't. Maybe Ryan and Hillary don't drink beer. They probably don't. But <laughs> I, I was like, do. dude, uh, Brew Fest, bro. I can't do it. So I'm gonna go podcast with him at noon. But nice. uh, that'll be fun to, to go. We'll do a swap cast, is what they call it these oh, days, because yeah. nice. yeah. he's got his. But yeah. uh, anything else you want to talk about for 2018? Um, not much, man. Yeah, we're just kind of cruising. We're um, trying to keep up with demand. That's our biggest issue right now. Just balancing materials and getting stuff sewn and then getting it out to the customer. So, um, yeah, we're just plugging away. Are you hunting spring bear? Uh, yeah. Did you so. draw or are you just doing no, OTC? Yeah, I just do OTC. I usually run a bait with a buddy. I'll, I'll try spot and stock with a bow for a couple of weeks and then that doesn't pan out mid-May, throw out a bait. So, oh, yeah. Which spot and stock hardly ever pans out. That's a tough you'll spot them but i don't know if you'll get to them <laughs> yeah, yeah they're busy that's a tough hunt yeah 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 okay and then did you draw any elk tags so far uh no nothing I'm, I'm actually looking forward to i'm just hitting idaho hard this year i haven't hunted it like it's been three years since i've really like grinded out weekend after weekend after weekend you know like i've got yeah been super fortunate to go to alaska twice in the last few years yeah. and went in colorado last year and done some other out-of-state hunts and i'm really looking forward to kind of actually want to go back to where I started bow hunting when I was 18 and just go back up into that country up by McCall um, and uh, just run around, see what I can do. Just do it. See what's changed in the last uh, 15 years or whatever. A lot, and then I bet a lot hasn't changed. Yeah. It'll be cool just to see. Um, are you doing the one big game species app in Idaho, or are you doing like the, the – I always put in – almost always put in for the trophies, so I'll put in for sheep and – because you've fingers. drawn goat. Did you did goat. your goat. Yeah, got, got that. Got that in 14, yeah. Have you done your moose yet? Nope. So sheep's next? Yeah, I think she, I, sheep's lower on my list than moose, but I also figure, like, oh, well, I'm in my 30s. I should probably get that sheep tag. You should probably so, draw it and go yeah. to, like, because Idaho's cool. They got some pretty good odds. You got to yeah, pick yeah. one of the three. Yep. You're a resident. I'm not. And uh, there's some Frank Church action that yep. you've been in. Yep. And pl- you have a contact with a plane. Yep. yep, yep. So you yeah. could do that. Yeah, I'm going to try. Okay, well, you go do that. Tell me how to do it, and then I'll put in. All right. It's great. great. All right. Well, thanks for uh, let me interrupt your work day and showing me your place. Absolutely, man. Glad to have you on. Yeah. All right.